Yes, it was very pretty. Thank you. Good morning. Welcome to First EC. If you're visiting with us here this morning, I'll ask you to fill out a little card in the back table. Let us know who you are. Um, thank you for being here and worshiping with us. Thank you for being here on Zoom. We're going to kind of get back to a, a normal routine now. The holidays are over and back to, back to somewhat normal. I've got a few announcements. Um, first of all, I wanted to share, it uh, looks like we've got some, some milestones in our, in our church family. We see the note here about Sam Carroll having a birthday and a, a special number that he's reached. But then I've also been told that uh, Bill and Joanne Swinehart this past week uh, celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. And we heard that from a little birdie from down south, and that birdie also um, asked that we have some, some flowers here for, for, to remember them as well. Um, you see the note, there's going to be a missions committee meeting tomorrow night, 6.30. And also keep in mind this fellowship committee event, uh, this secret pal. Um, this, the sign-up sheet is still out on the board and if you're interested in joining in that, if you're interested in knowing more about it, ask Vicki. If you're interested in joining, go ahead and sign up. And then, of course, you can see, too, that anybody else who's interested in joining the fellowship committee to please see Vicki. <clears throat> Is there anything else that we need to know regarding the, the schedule? Anything else that should be mentioned for the good of the, the family? Okay, well, oh. We do have something here in the back. Do you remember to sign up for the Secret Pal? The list is out on the bulletin board. Okay, all right, yep. See how important it is? <laughs> it's, it's a fun event, apparently, so jump in and, and join. Tomorrow night's meeting. Yes. I already announced it. Okay. <laughs> Anybody comes, okay, yeah, and it's, so it's not just, tomorrow night's missions committee meeting, it's not just open to those who are already on the committee. If anybody else is interested in joining and helping out, um, that sounds like a little bit of a plea. Please come out. Please come join. Uh, but you're very welcome to come and join the meeting as well. Yep. Anything else? I, it's great. As, I'm, as this is happening, I'm scanning and I'm seeing some familiar faces back again. This is great. So let's, let's prepare ourselves then for worship this morning. Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us all here this morning. Um, we're here for you. We're here to worship you, Lord. And we thank you that we do have this opportunity. We thank you that we have the opportunity to do it um, peacefully, without any kind of contention. We do it not as an obligation, Lord, but because we want to. We're here recognizing how you've helped us all week, how you've taken care of us all week, how you've provide for us every single day. And so, Father, we're here to worship you. And I pray that everything that we say, everything that we do and sing would all be to your honor and to your glory. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Our call to worship this morning is from Psalm 113. It says, praise the Lord. Can you say that? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. Praise the Lord, you, his servants. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. So I'll ask you to stand because now is the time to worship.
Morning. Everybody ready to sing? All right, good. song that everyone probably has heard on um, the radio a bunch but um, basically Oceans basically just talks about you know kind of being out in the middle of it and just knowing that you're not alone that there was somebody right beside you calling you out um, reminding you that you know what 
like Peter when he called Peter out on the water. So if you guys want to sing with us. And you 
Spirit.
Would you look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here worshiping with me this morning. We'll, we'll take time now to lift up praises and prayer requests. Marlene Groff goes to see a specialist tomorrow. requests, any, any praises that you want to share from this past week? I have a praise for the praise band. I love looking up there, seeing all the faces, younger, <laughs> older. Thanks for Jeff for leading it, and I just love listening to him. Wonderful. Absolutely. Amen. Yeah, kind of ditto on that. I, she took my story. So. Okay. Well, that's okay. <laughs> well, let's just go ahead and, and go to the Lord then this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful morning. We thank you for the gift of a new day. We don't want to take any day for granted. We thank you that you've given us this day, we thank you that we have the opportunity to worship you this morning. We praise you for the way you watch over your church. Um, We thank you for the way you watch over this church. We thank you for the way you have provided talent, you've provided skills, um, and also the spiritual gifts needed, and, and the the obedience or the willingness to, to just follow your call. Father, not just in our praise band, but in so many other ways with teachers and leaders and helpers. Father, we thank you for milestones as we were able to talk about a few this morning. We know others are, are coming up. And we just thank you that you give us these things to look forward to in life. And you have given us the opportunity to share Share those moments with, with others, with family and with friends. and We just thank you that you provide us with guidance for, for how to be healthy, as, we, as you're going to share with us later. But just these, these praises, these thoughts, these milestones, they're all reminders of, of things that, that come along that help us to, 
to remain healthy with each other, but also healthy with you. Father, we also remember and know that all good things come from you. You have provided for us all week, and so, Father, our offering is a token of our worship. It's our way of saying thanks, but also giving back to you a portion of what you've given us. And so we ask you to accept it and to bless it and use it in whatever way you want. We want your will to be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you share with me now? Stand and sing. We're going to sing together hymn number 39. Thankfully, God doesn't expect perfection. Um, I want to take a minute. There was one prayer request, and I missed it. <laughs> um, so I apologize. Let's just take a moment um, to lift up to God. Lord, I just ask you to keep Marlene in mind this week as she goes to her specialist. I know that you're already preparing them for her visit. We just pray that the visit would go well, that everything could be identified that's needed, and that care could be given for her. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, and it's kind of a good segue. I didn't, I didn't intend on it, but she's going in in order to check on her health or in order to, to maintain her health. And this week, there have been a lot of reminders of how important it is to stay healthy and 
sometimes how difficult it can be to stay healthy. I don't know if you remember, but last Sunday we heard about three other families, and even our family as well. There were four different families whose gatherings the week before were affected by by COVID. And then Monday night, and if you didn't watch the game, I, I know that you've heard about it by now, but on Monday night during the NFL football game, there was a player who just collapsed from a cardiac arrest right there on the field. And then Friday afternoon, I met the person who's now going to be my family doctor. I haven't had one of them for a lot of years. Some of that is because of moving around. Um, it's not the whole reason, but anyhow, um, got to see someone who's now going to be my doctor because I have found that I, the hip replacement that I already had 14 years ago is faulty. It was one of those that got recalled, so that needs to come out, but also... The left hip needs to be repaired and replaced, and my left knee. So the next uh, year, year and a half, is going to be a series of surgeries and rehabs, surgeries and rehabs. But I'm just letting you know that up front. March 13th is the first one, and we'll see how things go. But it's a Monday, so I should be here on that Sunday. I don't know what kind of shape I'll be in, (laughs) but uh, maybe I won't be any worse than usual. But anyhow, all kinds of things this week that have made me think about about health. So what does it mean to be healthy? Does it mean just losing a couple of pounds? Does it mean having joints replaced? Does it mean getting more vitamins into our body? Does it mean toning our muscles and and trying to look better? Or does being healthy just simply mean not being sick? That's what it means to a lot of people, especially men, right? If I'm not coughing and I don't have a fever, I'm perfectly healthy. That's another reason why I don't have a family doctor already, because I've never really felt a reason to have one or to need one. It's, it's a guy thing, I know. But when we think about our health, our focus seems to always be on the physical body. But God has a different idea. There are other things that he wants us to consider when we think about being perfectly healthy. And fortunately, he has included a whole lot of clues in his reference manual for life, the Bible. And I want to start by sharing the first clue, and we'll come back to it later, but I just want to start by reading today's scripture in Luke chapter 2, and it's one verse, so you're thinking, okay, a short sermon this time. No, not really. (laughs) One verse, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and Man, It's a short sentence, but it says a lot about Jesus being perfectly healthy. And we'll come back to it, but we want to talk about a few things before, before we talk about that verse. The concepts of health and healing are found all over the Bible, from start to finish. It's, it's actually what God's story is all about, healing the relationship between himself and his creation, right? Taking this broken world and putting it right again. In fact, our modern word health is derived from an old English word that means wholeness or being whole or sound or well. God's design for true health, for being perfectly healthy, is meant to include things that make us whole. It includes a lot more than just our physical well-being. But our physical well-being is a good place to start. The Bible does have a lot of instruction about how to prevent and heal from physical diseases. 
We know that God commanded the Israelites not to eat certain foods, foods that we now know likely carried diseases. The Old Testament also has commands about quarantining people with infectious diseases, similar to the way we've had to quarantine when we've tested positive for COVID. We see many of these commands in the book of Leviticus. Chapter 11 provides a list of unclean animals, fish, and birds. And then God gives this command, starting in verse 24. He says, You will make yourselves unclean by these. Whoever touches their carcasses will be unclean till evening. Whoever picks up one of their carcasses must wash their clothes, and they will be unclean till evening. Another way of just making sure that that person takes care of cleaning themselves, when they clean the, clean the clothes, when they wash the clothes, they're going to be washing their hands. They're not going to throw it in the washing machine. They're actually going to be washing it by hand, so they're getting their hands cleaned as well. And then they're staying away from people for a while to make sure that they're not spreading any germs. Then as we go to chapter 13, it deals with skin diseases. And the first five verses of chapter 13 says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, and this is very specific, When anyone has a swelling or a rash or a shiny spot on their skin that may be a defiling skin disease, they must be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons who is a priest. The priest is to examine the sore in the skin. And if the hair in the sore has turned white, and the sore appears to be more than skin deep, it's a defiling skin disease. When the priest examines that person, he shall pronounce them ceremonially unclean. If the shiny spot on the skin is white, but does not appear to be more than skin deep, and the hair in it has not turned white, the priest is to isolate the affected person for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest is to examine them. If he sees that the sore is unchanged and has not spread in the skin, he's to isolate them for another seven days. God, the, the, the great physician. I mean, hear, hear how he's laying this out in so much detail. If, if this is this and that's that and so forth. Then in the New Testament, of course, we see Jesus spending a lot of time healing people from their physical ailments, Right? And then his disciples did the same thing after he was gone. So physical well-being is obviously important. But God's plan for us being perfectly healthy is much bigger than that. And Jesus gives us a clue about this with his parable of the Good Samaritan. And I'm going to um, make another shameless plug. I know that we're not meeting yet for another couple of weeks. But again, on Sunday evenings, Bible study, we are getting into these parables. And we're digging in and seeing them for what they, hopefully the way they were being heard at the time, not just the way we read them. Looking at, at this parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. So it's assumed that he was a, an Israelite, he was a Hebrew, leaving the town of Jerusalem when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. He's laying there naked. He's been beat. He's probably bruised, bleeding, half dead, not moving, maybe breathing, 
but not moving, he looks dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Now, chances are that's because he sees the man, thinks he's dead, and they had all sorts of ceremonial reasons. He shouldn't touch the dead. He would be unclean and so forth. So um, he, he passes by. So too, a Levite, uh, a, a well-respected Hebrew, he sees, he comes by. When he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side as well. But a Samaritan, a Samaritan, ugh, a Samaritan, these were despised by the Hebrews, by the Israelites. This was another country, another culture. They didn't, didn't like them at all. And that's what makes this, this parable so, so strong, the, the point so strong when he's talking about his neighbor. But as we look at this, we're going to pick up a few different types of things as we look at it from the aspect of health. The Samaritan, as he traveled, and it was probably a, um, a merchant, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. So there's, they're amazed already. The Samaritan would take pity on this, on this Israelite. He went to him and bandaged his wounds. He didn't come with a first aid kit, so the bandage probably was some type of garment, something he had handy, not something he was planning to use to bandage wounds. And he was pouring on oil and wine, some of his own possessions, even if those were things that he was planning to sell. He is taking care of this, this man. Then he put the man on his own donkey, which probably means he had to walk then, brought him to an inn and took care of him. Now this is the phrase that I have missed over dozens, I don't know, hundreds of times you read this parable because we're always focusing on the fact of who is your neighbor. We, we focus on the fact that the priest went by, the Levite went by, but this man helped him and we sort of gloss over the details. But the fact that he brought him to an inn and took care of him. He spent the night with him. He spent the evening with him. I always remember the part where he takes him to the inn and then he pays the innkeeper, goes off and says, I'll come back and pay you. But I missed this detail in the past. He brought him to the inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for an extra, any extra expense you may have, which of course was motivation for the innkeeper to provide some service. He knew he was going to get paid for it. Now, obviously we can't get too involved with the details. That's one of the things we remind ourselves when we're looking at parables. This is just a story that Jesus made up. But he made it up with a few details, enough details for us to start thinking about some things that he might be in, inferring here. This is a story of a man from a despised nationality. And, 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 and that's why it's such an oxymoron to say the good Samaritan. In their day, there was no such thing as a good Samaritan. If you want to have the same kind of response that these people would have had when they heard this story, think about the day after the 9-11 event. And if somebody told you, wanted to tell you a story about the good, and then you can fill in however, that, the good whatever that you would have associated with those, the good terrorist, I'll just say. You know, how can, that doesn't make any sense, Right? But that's the way these people would be thinking too, you know, if you, if you refer to it as the good Samaritan. 
The man is from a despised nationality. He's caring for an injured stranger of a nationality that despises him. He's taking a chance here. What's this guy going to do? How is he going to react when he does come to, when he wakes up and sees that a Samaritan is taking care of him? But that doesn't stop him. He keeps, keeps providing care. And the man begins by caring for his obvious physical needs by giving up personal items, a garment for bandaging. He gives up oil and wine for cleaning the wound. But he provides even more. The fact that he stays with him through the night. I'm sure the man who was stripped and beaten would have been very scared at this point. I mean, he's vulnerable. He has, all his clothes have been taken. He has nothing. He's just naked, bruised, beaten. And this man is taking care of him. He's nurturing him back to health. By staying with him, the Samaritan's helping with the man's mental health. He's allowing him to calm down. He's allowing him to feel some peace and some security. Also, by staying with him, the Samaritan's helping with the man's relational health. He gave the man someone to talk to whenever he woke up, whenever he felt better, came to. There's someone there that he can talk to and and can reassure him. In order to provide complete healing, to restore the injured stranger back to being completely healthy, the Samaritan takes care of the physical needs, but there's a mental and a relational aspect here as well. In his book, The Bible and Healing, a medical and theological commentary, Dr. John Wilkinson describes God's plan for health this way. He says, human wholeness or health, is the main topic of the Bible. It is only when human beings are whole and their relationships right that they can be described as truly healthy. Now, the World Health Organization defines health this way. They say health is a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being and not merely the absence of disease or infirmity. So beyond physical, they recognize the need for mental and social well-being as well. But they're still missing one more element, the spiritual well-being. The Bible teaches that true health, being perfectly healthy, involves our entire being. This means that the physical, mental, social And spiritual elements have to be functioning the way God designed them. In fact, the physical element might be the the least of the four. In God's design for being perfectly healthy, the promise of blessing and wholeness is actually based on knowing him, really knowing God. There's a Hebrew word for that state of being perfectly healthy. The word is shalom. Now, it's often translated as peace, but the root meaning of the word shalom is wholeness, completeness, general well-being. And it carries a strong emphasis on relational well-being, especially our relationship with God. The Bible tells us that true shalom comes only from God. In Psalm 29, verse 11, the Lord gives strength to his people the Lord blesses his people with shalom. In, in the NIV, it's translated as peace. The Lord blesses his people with peace. But it's saying the Lord blesses his people with shalom, with completeness, wholeness, 
being perfectly healthy. In biblical times, it was common to ask another person how their shalom was. When Joseph's brothers returned to Egypt, we read in Genesis 43, 27, it says, he asked them, Joseph asked the brothers, how they were. And then he said, how is your aged father? Well, the literal translation there is, Joseph asked his brothers if they were la shalom, if were they in wholeness, were they doing well? And he asked about ha shalom, of their father. How's their father doing? How's the well-being, the completeness, the wholeness of their father? True shalom comes from a strong relationship with God. True shalom, true wholeness is based on trusting and obeying God and his principles. But that's not easy because it requires humility. Proverbs 3, 7 and 8 says, do not be wise in your own eyes, Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. So how's your shalom? Are you focusing on just your physical body? I have a story from a website called the Babylon Bee. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a satire kind of website, and it takes... And it is meant to be, I, I believe, sort of faith-based. Um, it's meant to kind of take an issue, poke some fun at it, make a humorous story out of it. Um, recently, they had one about a, a man who identified as a five-year-old boy, and he helped his team win the t-ball championship and all the home runs that he hit and so forth. Again, making light or making a humorous story about the way people are identifying as something else. But today's story um, that I want to share is about, about our health. Um, and about remembering the need for good spiritual health as well. Again, remember, this is, a, this is just a, a joke or just a, a satirical article. <clears throat> but it's talking about a 12-hour operation aiming to fill the God-shaped hole in local 45-year-old Kyle Ziegler's heart was sadly unsuccessful. Doctors at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center reported Friday. Ziegler was born with the condition and finally turned to doctors after he was unable to fill the void himself. The doctor said, We began the risky procedure by trying to stuff a bunch of drugs, alcohol, and Playboy magazines in there, but they didn't satisfactorily fill the God-shaped hole at all, an emotional Dr. Carl Van Bieber told reporters. We just couldn't for the life of us figure out what would fill that void in his heart. As the operation progressed, surgeons desperately attempted to fill the emptiness with more and more material objects like the latest electronic gadgets, video gaming systems, and movies, but found that none of them did the trick. Finally, Dr. Van Bieber made the call to cease as the operation neared the 12th hour. Nothing we know of can fill this void, the doctor said. It's hopeless. So that's, that's their story. You can see the, I don't know if you call humor, but you can see the, the, the humor that's intended with that. There was only one thing that's going to fill that hole, right? When we're thinking about your health, don't forget about the mental, relational, and spiritual components that are necessary for being perfectly healthy. They're all very important. And we see that in today's scripture text. I told you we'd come back to it. Let's, let's read it again. 
Luke 2, verse 52. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus grew in wisdom. That's reflecting mental health. I know it doesn't take everything into consideration, but Jesus grew in wisdom. That's mental health. And he grew in stature. That's physical health. And in favor with God, spiritual health, and in relation with man, relational health. God's plan for perfect health focuses on pursuing physical health, mental health, spiritual health, and healthy relationships with family and with friends and others. It's like a chair with four legs. If any one of the four legs is wobbly or broken, it's going to fall apart. And if any of those four components, physical, mental, spiritual, or relational, is wobbly or broken, our health is going to suffer. Our life won't be lived out as smoothly as it was intended. Let's pray. Well, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that we find in it. Thank you for the way you get so specific about how to take care of problems that we're dealing with. Thank you, especially today, as we hear your commands, your guidance, your, your help in allowing us to, to live a healthy life. Help us, Lord, to prosper in our health, in all those four components. We know that we need your help to do it, and we cling to you as you walk us through our lives in a healthy way. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll invite you to stand as we sing our final hymn, number 538.
And so my prayer for you is that as you go and as you serve this whole year, that this year will be one where you will pursue this, these four components of being perfectly healthy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.